There we go. How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to Wednesday night service. Pardon me for being a few seconds late there. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. We've got so much awesome stuff coming up. I want to give you a couple of um, announcements and reminders. First of all, uh, my parents aren't here. They are in the beautiful state of Montana. They're visiting. Yes. Dana and Liz Nile are great friends up there in Butte. And uh, they're having a, apparently an awesome time uh, seeing the mountains and the rivers and the fish and all this fun stuff. So anyway, they'll be up there all week. So uh, they'll be back sometime in the middle of next week. You'll see them again. But they're doing great. want to remind you, uh, T-shirts are in. If you haven't uh, picked yours up yet, you can head to the bookstore after service. Uh, if you uh, prepaid, you're good to go. Uh, if not, uh, we do have some extras. And I had to place a, another small order yesterday. So we're up to 94 t-shirts walking around Barstow right now. That's pretty good. So keep it going around, right? Amen. Uh, who was here for family night? Any of you parents, grandparents here? Family night, I thought, was a great big success. We had an awesome time, had a, a really a lot of kids. I was surprised how many. Uh, so this Sunday night, we'll be doing that again. We've got family night going on. Uh, it's mainly, it's for the whole family, as is the title, but uh, you it's really uh, to minister to the kids, elementary kids and, and everybody, but we got games, we've got uh, a lesson for them, and it's just, it's awesome. It was a really good time. So Sunday night at 6, um, grandmas, grandpas, moms and dads try to get the kids here. Youth group is uh, open up finally tonight for the first time since March, so, <clears throat> so, five whole months, but the youth are finally meeting again. And I, you know, we just want to keep reminding everybody how important it is uh, that we're taking care of the kids during all this. And I know they're not in school, so they aren't seeing their friends and stuff, but we want to do our best to take care of them. Amen. And one last little reminder is parents, uh, we are getting this, the church homeschool co-op thing going on. Uh, so we're probably going to be starting that around the first week of September where we can do some supplemental uh, educational things uh, for the kids. Uh, we're looking at like an arts class, uh, a sewing class. We asked, you know, kids what they wanted, a sewing class, PE, maybe a little home ec and some different stuff. So uh, one, you know, maybe even some auto mechanics, but just some different stuff to supplement and uh, and take care of the kids and give them some stuff to do. So we love the kids. We care about them. And you see a lot going on in the news right now, a big push to uh, protect and save our children. And I'm like, I'm all for that. You know, we're saving whales and everything else. Why don't we save some kids and do something right there? Amen. So praise God. All right. Who knows what time it is now? Happy time.
It is happy time. Are you happy? I'm happy. Ilea, are you feeling it? I'm feeling it. She's feeling it. I can tell her that. I just, I felt, I just felt rays of happiness hitting me. I was like, whoa. Wow. That lady's happy. Anyway, alright. So, uh, if you need an envelope tonight, the ushers have a bucket there full of beautiful sanitized envelopes. Uh, we're gonna open our Bibles for a verse here to Psalm 112. Psalm 112. Amen. Amen. Who loves Psalm 112? Who loves Psalm 111? Can I hear it for Psalm 113? Somebody, do I hear one? Yes, you do. You love all of them. Am I right? You love all the Psalms. But Psalm 112, and this chapter is talking about those who fear the Lord. Is there anybody tonight in here that you fear the Lord? You respect, you care more about God's opinion than anybody else's opinion. All right, that's talking to you then. And so Psalm 112, I'm in the New Living Translation. The first few verses here, it says, How joyful are those who fear the Lord. No wonder we call it happy time around here because we're joyful. We fear the Lord. We love obeying Him. It says, those who fear the Lord and delight in obeying His commands. So wait a minute. When I obey God's commands, it doesn't make me sad. No, on the contrary, God's commands, they make me joyful. I delight in obeying God's commands. Nobody has to force me to do it. You will tithe. You will be nice to your neighbor. No one's going to force us. We delight in doing these things. Why? Because we fear God. Look at this. Verse 2. Their children will be successful everywhere. An entire generation of godly people will be blessed. Listen to that. Who wants their kids to be blessed? Amen. Amen. We want this stuff. How does it happen? By fearing God. But look at verse 3. Here's what I'm getting at. They themselves will be wealthy. Now this is church. You don't go talking about money in church now there, boy. You don't want to listen. The Bible talks about it and, and it says right here, those who fear God and obey his commands. Yeah, we're joyful. Yeah, we've got the joy of the Lord. And on top of it, the Bible says they themselves will be wealthy and their good deeds will last forever. And so it is not right. It is wrong to say, well, man, I don't ever expect God to do anything to my fine. I don't ever expect any of that. I mean, you shouldn't even talk about that. The devil has no trouble talking about your finances or trying to get involved with your finances, does he? No, that's part of the problem is so many people are like, well, you know, we, we don't want to just we don't want to deal with that. But the, the straight up truth is Satan is, is is getting involved with and dealing with so many issues that you're saying that God and church should not be involved in. Yet Satan has he's not obeying that. He's not distancing himself. He's getting all up in your finances, all up in your business. And you're saying, well, we don't want to listen don't have that attitude. The Word of God says right here, 3 John 2, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health. If God wants you to prosper, it's pretty prideful and arrogant of you to say, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think that I should go along with that. You're saying you know better than God? That's pride. That's arrogance. If God wants you blessed, if God wants to get some wealth to you, why fight it off? Why not just say, God, hey, you can get it to me because I'll tell you exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to give it right back out to somebody else. I'm going to help somebody else out. and I'm going to honor you with my wealth. Can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God. We're off to a great start here. We're going to go ahead and say our financial faith confession, and then we're going to get into some praise and worship, and we are going to have a home run type of a night. I can tell you that already. Let's say this together. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth and business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Here we go. Okay, when you guys are done dropping off your tithes and offerings, stand up where you're at in your seats and join us for the praise and worship. You called down into darkness. You re- 
And I know the night won't last Your word will come to pass My heart will sing your praise again Jesus, you're still enough Keep me within your love As my heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Faithfulness Still in your hands This is my confidence You never failed me Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands This is my confidence You never failed me.
promise still stands great is your faithfulness faithfulness I'm still in your hands this is my confidence you never failed me Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We can boldly declare that tonight, that you have never, ever failed us, Lord. Even when we've failed you, because we know we have at times, you still never failed us. Just like Paul wrote to Timothy, even if we have been unfaithful, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny who he is. Lord, we love you, and we thank you tonight that you are still there. Lord, that you've never given up on us. Your mercy is new every morning. Your mercy endures forever. And Lord, we praise you and we love you. You told us you'd be with us always, even to the end of the world. And Lord, it looks like the end of the world's coming soon. And you're right here with us. We praise you for that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together tonight? Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated this evening. Amen. Amen. Who's glad they came to church on Wednesday night? You know what? It's the best place you could be in Barstow. I'll tell you that right now. There's some good places, but this is the best. Amen. Well, I'm going to be talking tonight about, uh, man, then this is burning on my heart, so we may really get somewhere tonight, okay? This is, I just, I think it's going to be one of those nights already, but I'm telling you, uh, the, the title tonight is this, Signs of Being Lukewarm. Let's hear it for lukewarm Christians. Perfect response. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. You guys nailed that. Oh, man, this is going to be good. So we're talking about signs of being lukewarm. Well, well, what is lukewarm? Man, nobody likes lukewarm. And, you know, we've used this example so many times. But, you know, if, if you like coffee, you either like it hot or you like it iced. But nobody wants some nasty, stagnant, room temperature, lukewarm coffee. You can't do anything with it, right? Now, uh, uh, well, let's look at this verse here. Go with me. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. Let's flip over there. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. And what we have here is Jesus sending a message to these seven churches of Asia Minor, what would be modern-day Turkey. And so uh, there's... You know, these are still real areas, but most of them just have different names now than they did uh, when this letter was written. But Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16, this is what Jesus wanted to say to this church in a place called Laodicea. Revelation chapter 3 uh, and verses 15 and 16, and, and he wrote all these, you know, if you look over the last chapter, you see the message he had for a lot of these different churches. He said, here's what you're doing good, here's what you're doing bad, and here's what you need to do to survive. And here's what he had to say to this church. Revelation 3, verse 15, when you're there, say amen. Then I'm going to read this out of the New King James. Actually, no, I'll read this out of the NLT. Jesus says, I know all the things you do that you are neither hot nor cold. They're neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other, but since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. That's how G how would you like for Jesus to say that to you? Like, you make me want to puke. Like, whoa. Man, pump the brakes, Jesus. I didn't mean anything by it. But he said, no. I, and, and what's always got me is this, is what he said right here. I, he says, I would rather you be cold than lukewarm. And I, I just never understood that before. And I've said this a lot lately. I made a little YouTube video yesterday that some of you saw. But I asked Jesus, I'm like, why is it that you would, I, wouldn't you rather someone at least be lukewarm than cold? Why, why would you prefer somebody just be all the way out than at least halfway committed? It wouldn't it make more sense? Well, at least the guy, at least she's halfway committed. At least she's sort of in, in, involved. At least she's, uh, at least she's lukewarm and not all the way ice cold. But Jesus said, no, I'd rather you be cold than right in the middle of the road. And why is that? It's because a lukewarm Christian is dangerous. They're dangerous. 
They won't commit to anything. And why is it they're dangerous? Three reasons they're dangerous. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. Three reasons a lukewarm Christian is dangerous. Number one, because they think that they've got something that they don't really have. They think that they're totally prepared for the battle. They're, oh, I'm good, man. You know, hey, I went to church last month. We're good. I mean, I, I, I do this little thing where I crack my, you know, me and God, we've got this understanding where, you know, I know where to go in my time of need and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they're lukewarm. And then the devil shows up with a real attack and they realize how unprepared they were being lukewarm. They, they're like, well, I'm good. We, we've got this thing. And then when the heat really gets turned up, they weren't prepared at all. They had a false sense of security. Lukewarm Christians have a false sense of security. They are not prepared for the end times. Another reason that lukewarm Christians are dangerous is they're dangerous to the rest of us in the family. Why? Because we think that they're committed and we think they've got our back whenever times get tough and you realize that a lukewarm Christian doesn't have your back. When times get tough, they're just looking how they're going to survive and, and how, oh man, which way do I get out of here? Which way do I go? And they're confused. They don't have your back. And I've not been a soldier. I've not been in the military, but some of you have. And I know this much. I don't want guys on my team that aren't going to have my back when the battle gets thick and heavy. I want guys that have my back and they're willing to go down with the ship, not guys that are going to abandon ship and just leave you on your own. Can I get an amen? All right. And another reason that lukewarm Christians are dangerous is they present a very inaccurate description to the rest of the world of what a Christian truly is. I'm just saying that. I'll say it again. Listen, a lukewarm Christian portrays and gives a false representation of what a true born-again Christian is supposed to be like. The rest of their co-workers are like, wait a minute, you mean this guy's a Christian? That's what it, I, why would I need anything he's got? I'll just keep my own mess right now. People should be able to look at your life and say, I mean, he's a little crazy, but at least he's stable. At least he's committed to what he's got going on. At least he's got joy. At least he seems to have peace through all this. He's a little wild, but at least he's not as like everybody else around here. You should not be like everybody else. My whole goal, I mean, there's some people, their whole goal is to just fit in and be like everybody. I don't want to be like everybody else because I've seen what normal is. I've seen what the new normal is, and I don't want to be normal. If it's a freakish thing to have peace in the middle of all this, if you're crazy for having joy and still having money and still having your health, then my God put me at the top of that list. I want to be weird. And a lukewarm Christian, they're like, ah, well, well, I don't want to cause any waves now. Let's just, let's just keep this. Faith is a private thing. If you think that faith is a private thing, you, by definition, are a lukewarm Christian. You are, you're just the epitome of what that is. Faith, if, if, if you really believe that Jesus died on the cross and that he saved your behind from hell, and you want to keep that to yourself, my gosh, what's wrong with you? You're lukewarm, that's what's wrong with you. All right? The Message Bible put... Revelation 3.15 this way. I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. You're not cold. You're not hot. It'd be far better to either be cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. That's the words of Jesus. And that, that wasn't to sinners. That wasn't to the guys out in the club. This was to people in the church that are just halfway committed. You don't know where they stand. One day they're in, the next day they're out. That's the worst type of person that you could be. You're all in or you're all out. But I'm telling you now, and I, I mean, I don't know what else I got to do to say this to people. I guess I need to be say it a lot more. This is the end times. Take it seriously. There's stuff going on right now, and it's not crazy conspiracy. There's stuff I've heard about my entire life that I'm seeing right now. And I mean, I was, oh, I mean, that sounds wild and crazy, but it's legit happening, man. Chipping people with stuff so they can, I mean, it's getting real. And we've got Christians still not taking God seriously enough to, sh you know, to, to show up, to, 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 to start acting like a Christian. This is is not the time to be acting like that. So Jesus said, you're stale. 
You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. I don't even want to be around you. This is the type, and this is how Jesus, Jesus feels very strongly about this topic if he would say something like that. And, you know, some, I don't know, I mean, I can always, it's pretty easy to tell where Jesus stands. But if there's ever a topic in the Bible and you're like, well, where does Jesus stand on that? This is not one of those topics. If you have to wonder how Jesus feels about lukewarm Christians, you apparently can't read. Because he just told us right there, they make me want to puke, vomit. They, They turn my stomach. I can't stand it. That's what Jesus said. And Writing to this church at Laodicea, I was reading one commentary on this, and, 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 and the guy said this, that this warning to the church of Laodicea, that th- this example he used about lukewarm water, it had local significance to this particular church, because in that day, these guys were deep down in a valley, if you look where modern day Laodicea would be in, in Turkey, and they had two sources to get water. They, they had to literally build an aqueduct, which is quite impressive for that day, way up in the mountains. So the water started ice cold way up there, what everybody would want. But by the time it made it down to where they were at, it was this lukewarm, like, yeah. And, you know, they didn't have ice cubes they could just pop in it. So And they weren't close to the river like some people. So by the time the water reached Laodicea, it was just this nasty, like, yeah. And then they, there was two rivers down the other direction that there was a hot spring down there. And so the water started out boiling hot. And back then, I mean, if you had a boiling hot source of water, you were doing good. But by the time they piped it up to the city, that water too became lukewarm. And so they had two sources where it started ice cold, everybody's dream, or on the other hand, boiling hot, which is great for so many things, but they were right in the middle of the road, and by the time it reached them, no matter where it came from, it was just this lukewarm, yuck, good for, I mean, good for nothing water that they had to deal with, and so Jesus said, you're just like the water of Laodicea, Laodicea, And you know what I'm talking about. Nobody wants some Laodicean water. And they're like, my God, you're going to compare us to that? What an insult. But Jesus was being serious. And so let me talk to you here about a few signs of being lukewarm. Who would like some warning signs so you at least know and you're like, I could stay away from that. I don't want to be there. So number one, signs of being lukewarm. Number one, God gets your leftovers. God gets your leftovers. Because if I were to ask any Christian... Is Jesus number one? They would tell me Jesus is number one. Nobody that says they're a Christian, you know, would say, well, he's not number one. I give him what I, you know, he gets what he gets and he better not throw a fit because this is my life and I got to live it my way and don't tell me. Nobody says that. But in all actuality, that's how a lot of people live their life. So, so many people will say, Jesus is number one. I seek him first. But actions speak louder than words, and actions say that that is a lie. I think I just sounded like Maury right there. And the results say that was a lie. But I didn't mean to sound like that. So Matthew 6, 33. Let's look at this. Matthew 6, verse 33. And here's a verse that everybody loves. But let's get real about it. Matthew, who knows what this verse says before I even, you know, before I even put it up there. All right. Okay. Well, you need to know Matthew... All right. Oh, 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 no, hold on. <laughs> All right. Man, this modern technology is such a blessing, but sometimes, wow, throws the preacher off. And I, back in the beautiful days of, I don't know, 2019, I had a great big screen monitor right in front of me that I could always tell what you guys saw on the screen, but we had to move that for social distancing. I have no idea what's on the screen ever. It's awful. So Matthew 6, 33, it says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Well, what things is it talking about? It just gave us a whole list, your food, your clothing, your resources. He said all those things will be added to you. But look right here. It says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first. Say that word with me. First. Does first mean second? Does first mean third? Does first mean, man, if I got a little time at the end of the day, Jesus, I promise it's going to you right now. I'll make that promise right now. No, it does not. And I'm telling you that so many people will say amen to this, but the truth be told, for the lukewarm Christian, Jesus 
gets whatever they have left over. If they've got any extra time at the end of the day, you know, hey, you know, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll go ahead and read a verse. Yeah, why not? You know, hey, I got five minutes before bedtime. Let's do this. Let's get a verse in. Really? You know what? Hey, we don't have anything on the schedule this Sunday. Why don't we just go ahead and go to church? There's nothing else going on. I mean, it would be funny if it wasn't so sad, but there's people that literally have that attitude and then expect when all hell breaks loose in their life that they've just got this, the amazing power of God just flowing right through them. And yet, they, they, what? Listen, things are getting real out there. It's getting real. I don't know, again, I don't know how else to say this, but if you only find time to make it to God's house, if, well, there's nothing else going on. We might as well. Uh, yeah, okay, yeah, let's, let's just do it. You know, it's Wednesday night. It's an hour service. We, uh, uh, that's fine. We can do that. But, you know, it's uh, America's Got Talents Over. I don't even, you know, Dancing with the Star. What do you watch? I don't know. But, you know, what, whatever's on Wednesday night, yeah, that, you know, it's off season. Let's go ahead and do it. I mean, yeah, come on. If that's your attitude, you're a lukewarm Christian. David said, passion for your house has consumed me. You know what? We paid everything else and we've got, we've got a little extra this month. Yeah, we'll give God a little offering. So Jesus gets whatever's left over of your time. You know, that Instagram didn't get or YouTube or whatever else or, or the, you know, TV, you know, so he gets whatever your sloppy leftovers of your time, your leftovers of, uh, of your, your money, you know, we got a few, uh, your leftovers of what, why does he get just whatever's left over? Is that seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? It's not. I mean, if I sound harsh, I don't mean to, but I do mean to listen Christians have got to wake up and start realizing that things that used to, you know, we used to get by with, it's not like that anymore. We need all the power that we can muster. We need all the faith, all the strength, all the fire that we can handle right now because too many people are fooling themselves and think, well, when it gets real bad, I'll make a stand. If you can't stand for Jesus right now, my God, you think you're going to stand up to the Antichrist? You will not. You won't. And, I, you know, I'm mainly speaking to the Internet crowd right now. And I'm being honest. You guys are, I, I got a room full of sold out hardcore Christians right here. But listen to me. If, if, if there's things that you're just bowing down to right now and folding and, came, well, they said we can't sing no more, so I guess we better not. I did some one of the dumbest things. I've ever, I joined this pastor's Facebook group. I don't know why. I thought, hey, it'd be a good idea. You know, hey, I don't get to hang, talk to a lot of other pastors. I'll just join. Maybe we, you know, they could probably they probably build each other up, encourage each other. It wasn't any local pastors, just guys from all across the nation. I lasted about two weeks and I had to exit. They were the most negative, faithless people I've ever talked to in my life. I couldn't take it, man. I, I had to exit. I had to leave that group. And I'm like, man, if you're too afraid to stand up for Jesus right now and you honestly think that, that you're going to stand up when it really gets hard, you're fooling yourself. You'll fold. And so anyway, uh, let me just say this. All of us have something in life that we're passionate about. You know, we'll put church to the side. But do you have something that you really actually care about? Wow, we're in bad shape. We have got a... You guys have no passion. That is... Okay. There we go. <laughs> is there, I mean, you at least care about... At least your kids. Anything. Give me something. There's something that you actually care about. Okay. Nice. Now we can talk. So, you, when you really care about something and you are passionate, you will do anything it takes to make time for that, Right? You'll set aside money for your hobby or your passion or your children or your wife. You'll, you'll set aside time. You would wake up early. You would go to bed late. There are things you would do to make time and room for your passion in your life, right? Now, theoretically, as a Christian, Jesus should take at least, at least 
at least, but definitely more of a passion for you than that. I remember when Katie and I were dating, I mean, man, the, hey, listen, romance, right? Passion. It was awesome. And, and it's still there. It's still there. Praise God. So anyway, so, uh, but man, we were in high school and her dad had these rules and my father-in-law didn't play around with rules. They were there. So she could not talk on the phone past 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, man, we're like engaged to be married, man. This is my woman. This is my girl. What's going on? And so anyway, so, you know, we were very young, super young. Uh, and, and, and so she had to be off the phone by 10 o'clock no exceptions. So I had, I had, I had school all day. Then I went straight to basketball practice. Then I walked from basketball practice to the fried chicken restaurant that I worked at. And, and that closed at nine o'clock. Then we had to clean the whole place. And I lived several miles out in the country. So I had to get all this done and be home so I could talk to the love of my life for a few minutes before 10 o'clock, before dad got on the phone and said, get off the phone. Right? So. And I'm telling you, I know what passion is because I would, I would do, I would break my back. I would do anything I could. One night I was cleaning the fryer out so fast that I was spraying the oil back in there. The grease all flied back up in my face and I had hot grease in my eyes and I'm running around screaming in the kitchen. Oh my God. And so, but it didn't matter because Bay was waiting, right? You know what I mean? Come on. And so, so I, I, did I, I did my job. I cleaned everybody else's job. I kicked the cashiers out of the way and did their job just so I could get home and talk to the one that I loved. That's passion. Now, when it comes to Jesus, again, we're talking about does he get your leftovers? Are we even anywhere near that? Or are we like, yeah, I'll get, you know, get, when I got time, I'll get to that. Listen, we've got to start being honest with ourselves and start being real. So I'm going to, I was going to say more about that, but I need to keep moving. So one major sign of being lukewarm is Jesus just gets your leftovers. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we, and then number two, another, another sign of being lukewarm is sin doesn't bother you. Sin doesn't bother you anymore. Stuff that when you really started coming to the Lord, you're like, I don't even want to be around that. Now you're like, ah. and and what's a, a real danger sign is if there are things taking place around you, such as maybe someone's got something on TV or something on the Internet, and, and, and there's bad words, evil things going on around you. And, and before you would have been like, I'm just going to leave the room. And now you just don't even notice it. You have become calloused. You have become calloused to sin, and it should bother you. It should bother you. Remember one time we were at uh, a family get-together in Indiana, all right? And so, you know, and me and Katie, we took some heat from some people sometimes because if stuff came on, we would, I'm not going to sit there. I'm not, and I'm not the type of guy that's going to stand up in front of the whole room and say, you sinners, repent, (laughs) And thou shalt be saved, you know, and uh, there's a time for that. I'm, I'm all for that, but I'm just going to be like, you know what? I'll just, we're just going to leave. And, and, and so they put this awful movie on kids watching it rated R. And if I said the movie, everybody would, and I mean, God forbid, some of you would laugh at it and say it's a great movie, but anyway, very famous, popular movie, famous comedian. And so, uh, and, and so it gets on there and, and it gets to this scene where this guy starts, well, anyway, there's kids in here. So anyway, bad stuff going on. And so we get up and we, we leave the room and like, oh my gosh, goody two shoes. I've got two shoes and they're good. All right. Uh, holier than thou. And, and listen, I'm not more righteous than thou, but I'm not going to, you know what? You're darn right. I'm holier than thou. Yeah. You're going to watch that slop in front of 10 year olds. Yeah. Anyway, sorry for the passion, but it's just real. So, so sin should bother you. You should not be okay with some of the junk that's on TV and on the internet and what people are. I'm not saying to slap the phone out of someone's hand, but I'm not going to sit there and listen to it. I'm going to get as far away from that as I possibly can. Proverbs 8.13, Proverbs 8.13. But there, I mean, good Lord, you have to have some sort of standards as a Christian. 
That doesn't make you judgmental and, and, and a prude and, and, but good Lord, you have to have some sort of standards. Set some standards. Proverbs 8, 13. Proverbs 8, verse 13. We looked at some fear of the Lord verses at offering time. Here's another fear of the Lord verse. It says, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. How do you think God feels about perverse mouths? This isn't a trick question. It's literally on the screen and I literally just read it. He apparently hates perverse mouths. And yet there's Christians that go to church and laugh at perverse mouths. God forbid they have one of their own. But but think about that. Some of the stuff, someone comes and tells you a joke, and man, listen to this, and you laugh at that perverse mouth. That's a sign that you're a lukewarm Christian. Now, back in the day, anybody remember this comedian, Jeff Foxworthy? Anyone? Okay. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you. There's a few of you. So, my God. So, he, he had told these redneck jokes, right? If you have ever blank, you know, then you might be a redneck. And I'm, I just feel like saying that with some of this. If you laugh at nasty, perverted jokes, you might be a lukewarm Christian. Right? If people can put down on kids in front of you and belittle children and you don't care at all, you might just be a lukewarm Christian. Thank you. I'm going to for a minute here. Listen. This is, it's, it's the end times. People that we're describing right here, Jesus says, I'm just gonna puke, I don't, I don't wanna be around, I'm gonna puke you out of my mouth. I can't stand that type of a person. That's Jesus' attitude about this. How about Psalm 97 and verse 10? Psalm 97 and verse 10. And so, fearing the Lord is hating evil, hating sin, and it goes without saying that there's not a single, and I can say this with all honesty and sincerity and clean before God Almighty, there is not one person on this planet that I hate. Not one. Not, and I mean that. There's not a single person in this world that I hate. But I can say I sure do hate sin because I see what it does. It shreds families apart. It tears little kids up and screws them up for the rest of their lives sometimes. I hate, I despise sin because it tricks you and you think that you're getting a good deal, but really you're getting raked through the coals and you're, you're getting, you're getting absolutely the worst possible deal when it really comes out in the end. I despise sin. And it says, if you fear the Lord, you hate that. So how about this? Psalm 97 verse 10, it says, you who love the Lord hate evil. So if you love God, how are you supposed to feel about evil? Supposed to hate it. Well, I thought God didn't hate anything. God doesn't hate any person, but there sure are some things that he hates. And he hates evil. Hates it. Absolutely despises evil. He protects the lives of his godly people and rescues them from the power of the wicked. And so here again, let's just just determine and, and settle the fact right now. Again, I'm probably just going to have to keep saying this. It's the end times. Is Jesus coming back next week? I have no idea. But I truly believe that we're going to see him at, at some point. I mean, good Lord, it, it could be this year, next year, 10 years from now. All I know is we're one giant step closer than we were in 2019. We at least know that much. And so this is not the time to be playing around with things that God says he hates. What am I going to do if I hear that trumpet blow and I've got my phone out looking at nasty pictures and Jesus shows up in the sky? Wow. What am I going to say? Oh, my God. Why now? Why couldn't this have been 10 minutes ago? Why couldn't this be? What am I going to do when Jesus shows up and I'm sitting there fooling around Messing with stuff that he absolutely hates. That's a bad spot to be in right there. This is not the time to be a lukewarm Christian. What come, What happens when they come to take more of your rights away and come and, and try to take more away from you and you can't stand for anything as it is right now? 
Come on. This is the time for Christians to quit playing games and to start taking the things of God very, very seriously. So I'm telling you right now, if sin doesn't even bother you anymore, you're just so used to it. Yeah, well, I don't want to, you know, if, if you're just complacent, neutral, calloused to sin, you are a lukewarm Christian. And that's just the fact of the matter. The third thing I'm going to say is this signs of being lukewarm is you look to the world for your help before God. You look to the world for help before you look to God. And I mean, some of this it may even sound controversial. I, I don't think this is controversial to say that when I get bad news, which, you know, I'm just, let me just say this right now, that 2020 has been just an absolute incredible year. I'm loving it. I've never been healthier in my entire life. I don't even think I've like sneezed this year, man. I am so healthy. I'm doing better financially than I've ever done. Or, you know, God's blessed this church better financially than I've ever seen in 13 years. And, and I'm just going to say it, man, that God is good. God is so good. And I, and, 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 and I look to him for help. David said, I lift my eyes to the, to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made those hills. People are like, well, it's getting bad. Let's look to the mountain. God made the mountains. What are you doing looking to those for your help? What are you doing looking to the creation instead of the creator? So if you, if, 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 if something bad happens and your very first thought is, oh man, oh, what, well, what's, what's so-and-so saying about it? Or, or what, or what's, what, let me, let me just look this up real quick and see if bad news comes your way, and your very first reaction is not to talk to God about it. Do I need to say it? You're, I mean, that's that's lukewarm. Let's look at this right here. Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30. Can I go just, can I, can I swing another hit? I mean, it's, don't take it personal, but all right. So... If you've studied more about coronavirus and infectious disease this year than you've studied healing scriptures, and I, I'm just the majority, and I, I'm friends and with a lot of Christians, not only in the U.S., all over the world, thousands, and I will, I can say without hesitation, sadly, to my dismay. I know a lot of Christians that have studied a lot more about disease this year than they've studied about what Scripture has to say about Jesus healing you from disease. Give me a healing Scripture. I, I, uh, doesn't it? Uh, I'm a, I, I don't know. So what's the average, you know, such and such time for COVID? Oh, man, it's 14 days. Oh, man, the first 10, 10 through 13, that's the way, blah, 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 blah. And they could spit off 50 different facts about this thing, but they couldn't name one healing verse. You're not prepared for the Antichrist, bro. You're not, you're not, prepared, for, you're not prepared for any of this stuff. Isaiah chapter 30, verses 1 through 5. And so here's God speaking to Israel, but I take all this stuff from modern-day America and Isaiah said some stuff to Israel and to Judah that, my gosh, does it speak to modern-day America. But anyway, in fact, I just want to give you one chapter that I recommend you read. Isaiah, you should read Isaiah chapter 58. That's just, uh, 59. Don't do it right now. Just write that down. Isaiah 59 and compare that to America in 2020 and just Watch your jaw hit the floor. All right. So what I'm reading though right now is Isaiah chapter 30 verses 1 through 5. He says, what sorrow awaits my rebellious children, says the Lord. You make plans that are contrary to mine. You make alliances not directed by my spirit, thus piling up your sins. And I'm not going to ask any show of hands or anything like that. But do maybe we have some alliances that are not directed by God's spirit? Uh, you don't want to, you don't want the wrong alliances right now. You do not want to be hooked up with the wrong crowd right now. Verse two, 
For without consulting me, you have gone down to Egypt for help. You have put your trust in Pharaoh's protection. You have tried to hide in his shade. But by trusting Pharaoh, you'll be humiliated. And by depending on him, you will be disgraced. So what is Pharaoh? Pharaoh is a type. Pharaoh is an example. Pharaoh is an analogy of us going to the world for our help instead of going to God. Is it wrong to go get the help that we need medically? Absolutely not. I spent some wonderful time in one of the best children's hospitals in America, and I received a miraculous healing from leukemia and being crippled even while I was in the hospital. So, yeah, get that type of help. But listen to me right now. When I started getting sick, I promise you the very first thing my parents did was started speaking healing scriptures over me. They talked to God way before they talked to anybody else. Well, I don't, I don't know if I agree with that. I'm still alive 32 years later. I don't know. I mean, hey, it's, you know, argue with the results. I, I, I don't know. It's hard to argue with that. Or when my dad got his bad news a couple years ago. Man, the very first thing we did, we, we slapped some oil on that man and anointed him in the name of the Lord and prayed the prayer of faith. And then we went, you know, we went to the doctor later on. That's fine. And it all worked out. But listen, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. This, you don't play around with this stuff. You don't play around with the word of God. It's alive. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two edged sword dividing between soul and spirit. Anyway, so verse four. For though his power extends to Zoan and his officials have arrived in Haines, underwear's in the Bible? Underwear is in the Bible. Wow. There you go. There's a good preacher joke for you, but seriously, Haines. All right. Verse 5. All who trust in him will be ashamed. He won't help you. Instead, he will disgrace you. And I wonder how many of the people that this world and some lukewarm Christians are looking to for help right now, in the end, they ain't really going to help them. Instead, they'll be ashamed, like, oh, my God, I fell for that. Wow. He said he was going to help me. He said, just just get this chip in my hand, and then I'd be able to, 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 to buy things, and, and I'd be able to do this, and, 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 and then now look at me. What does Isaiah 30, verse 1 in the Living Bible say? In the Living Bible, it says, Woe to my rebellious children, says the Lord. You ask for advice from everyone but me, and then decide to do what I don't want you to do. You yoke yourselves with unbelievers, thus piling up your sins. How many Christians I know, they look to everybody else for advice, and then they go to God. Well, we've exhausted all options. Might as well try it. And they, they, don't, they don't put it that way, but really, that's what their actions say, right? Actions speak louder than words. I really believe that. And so, if you ask everybody around you, you know, your drunk friends, your your redneck uncle, your whatever, you know, what should I do, man? I, this is happening. You ask all of them for advice before you turn to Scripture. Seriously? Seriously? You're asking relationship advice from someone that's been divorced five times? Can't hold a relationship together? I mean, seriously? And it sounds like a joke, but I'm not joking. I see this type of thing going on. And God says... You ask for advice from everyone but me, and then you decide to do what I don't want you to do anyway. I don't even know why I try here. Look at this last verse, Isaiah 31, verse 1. Isaiah 31, verse 1. Are you still glad you came tonight? Or I mean, I hope I haven't put you in a bad mood or something. Isaiah 31, verse 1. It says, what sorrow awaits those. What sorrow awaits those. I'm going to rewind that. What sorrow awaits those who look to Egypt or look to this world for help, trusting their horses, chariots, charioteers, depending on the strength of human armies instead of looking to the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. What sorrow? What sorrow? It's not wrong to get some help from the things in this world. I repeat that and I'll say it again. Go to the stinking doctor. Go get some financial help if you need it. Go do those things. But you better believe that that is not the very first place that I'm going to. I'll go to God first. And it, and he can work through those things. I'm good with that. He can do whatever he wants to do to get the help to me. 
But when trouble knocks on my door, the first thing I do is I look to heaven. I don't look to Google. I don't look to the president. I don't look to the governor. I don't look to any. I look to Jesus before I look to anything else. These are some signs of a lukewarm Christian. Jesus gets their leftovers, whatever they've got left. Sin doesn't really bother them anymore like it used to. And then third, they'll look to the world for help before they look to God. And mark my words, they would never admit any of these things that I just said, but it's the absolute truth. And so, as we kind of bring it in for a landing, I don't know, I'm just going to, I just want to plead with anybody watching online, listening to this later on. Plead with anybody here, I'm not stinking kidding when I say this. This is not the time to backslide. It is not the time. This is not the time to cool off a little bit or just take a little God break or to, to this man. Maybe you could have got by with that last year. You shouldn't have, but you did. But we don't know what's happening next. You know, I am, I'm trying to scare people. I'm not trying to get, you know, get weird, but I'm just saying there's been a lot of things happen this year. I said, they'd never say that. They would, no, there's no way that that would ever happen. But I'm telling you now, Isaiah prophesied in chapter 60 that at this end time, man, it's going to get, he said, gross darkness will cover the earth. But for the people of God, it's going to get brighter and brighter and better and better. And that's all I can say, man. It's gotten better and better and better for me this year. Incredible. Off the charts. Awesome. But I see so many people like, man, what? What's going to happen next? I, I, I don't know if I can take another thing. Don't play games with God right now. If you're going to walk away, just do it. All right? Just do it. But don't play games. Get real with God. And in fact, I shouldn't say what I just said. Don't. If you're walking away, stop where you are, man, and run back as fast as you possibly can. You need all the power, all the protection, all the authority that you can possibly get. And I see some people, all right? I see some people backing off, cooling off, and I fear for their lives. I fear for them, man. Like, my God, please just give them a little more time. Give them another chance. But that's not up to me. That's up to God. And when we step away from God when we back off. You see, God's got this shelter. Imagine, and I'm, I'm going to wind down. Imagine there's a shelter that like runs from here to right here. And like it's raining and it's storming. And everything's going bad all around me. But as long as I'm under the shelter, I'm good. You know, I may see what's going on. It may be going crazy. But then what happens if I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to, and I go way over here outside of that shelter. Bad starts happening. You said you'd never leave me. You, what? This whole God thing. He said he'd never leave you. But what happens when you leave him? What happens when he promised protection? He promised provision. He promised to take care of all of it. As long as you'll just stay in that spot right there. Just stick right in this shelter of the Most High. Psalm 91 literally says this. So this is not my example. It literally says this in Psalm 91. To stay under the shelter. But... You see his tornadoes, hurricanes, all sorts of stuff. I think I'm going to, I'm just going to go out there for a minute and see what's going on. Bad idea. You are not promised any protection outside of the shelter. You are not promised anything outside there on your own. Stick close to Jesus right now more than you ever have in your life. Don't let go. Can I get an amen? All right, I'm going to go ahead and end there. It's 8 o'clock. It's 8.05. Let's go ahead and stand up together tonight, please. Let's stand up together tonight. I think I may tag on to this next Wednesday, possibly. But, you know, this is just burning in my heart that we've got, we've got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. Because Jesus said that day's going to come. And some people, he's like, don't let that day catch you unprepared. Be ready at all times. You know, if we told you that, and Jesus said it would be like a thief in the night. If I said, hey, one of these nights, you know, hey, 
there's, someone's going to be coming to your house and breaking in. Be ready. Well, can you give me the exact time? No, just be ready. Man, I'd be ready. I'd be, I'd be awake, right? I'd be waiting for him. I'd be prepared. Jesus said, be prepared. I'm going to go ahead and pray over you before we do our Barstow faith confession. And I just encourage you, last thing you do tonight before you go to bed, talk to God. Let him have the very, let him have the very last part of your day. I encourage you, when you wake up in the morning, the very first thing you do, talk to God. Have some Bible time. Give him the very first moments of your day. And if you have any reach into somebody, if you know a lukewarm Christian and God gives you a route, man, reach out to that person right now because they are headed for trouble. And I'm not saying that as a mean guy, as a judger, as a hater. I'm just saying I love people enough to try to say something when they're headed the wrong way. You hate, you're you a hater if you don't say something and someone's about to drive off the cliff, right? Amen. So I'm going to pray over you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, not my name, not this church's name, not the name of the United States of America. God, we're coming to you, the Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Lord, we know that you are trying to get some people's attention right now. And, Lord, I've seen it. You, there's a lot of people that I was convinced, Lord, that they were just going to be half-baked their whole Christian life. But this year, they have really stepped up, Lord, and I love that. And it's been awesome to watch. But there's been a lot of people, God, that have just stayed, Lord. They've stayed right there. And, Lord, we are lifting up brothers and sisters right now, God, that they're just somehow, with all the events unfolding, they're still somehow oblivious to everything that's going on or they're choosing to look the other way. Lord, get their attention in Jesus' name. Use us. We're not afraid to be used. Use us. Use somebody else. Use something. Lord, get their attention so they are prepared and they are in right standing with you. When Jesus comes back, we hear that trumpet and we look up for our redemption draweth nigh. And we literally see Jesus standing in the clouds, calling us up to heaven with him, Lord. We want to be ready. And I pray for every person in this room right now, Lord. We, we're not we're not going anywhere. We ain't backsliding. We ain't ever going back to Egypt. We're going to heaven. And I thank you for that, Lord. We're sticking with you like we never have before. In the mighty name of Jesus, we love you so much. In Jesus' name, can I get an amen tonight? Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise as we close this out. Amen. God is good. He's brought me too far now for me to let go. Oh, man, I don't got nothing to go back to. It's all in. Let's speak some words of faith over Barstow. Go grab your T-shirt if you didn't yet. I've got a few more coming in. If you didn't get one, I've got a few more coming in. But go grab your T-shirt and let's plaster Barstow everywhere you go. You're standing in line and people are saying, what? Barstow is a blessed city. You could have fooled me. It's a blessed city. Amen. We're going to absolutely change this town for Jesus. Amen. Let's say this together. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We will see you Sunday. Love you.